Welcome to our next installment of the Rebels of the Heart virtual conference series. It's been an ongoing segment where we've featured great leaders across all different areas of business, different companies, really showing the next generation of leadership and what leadership with a heart looks like in terms of rebels breaking the rules, creating new rules, and, and establishing what a healthy business and personal relationship can look like. I'm Derek Bunston, CEO of Life Guides, uh, and we're building a platform for preparing people to do extraordinary good by using technology to match people who have been through a life challenge of some sort with those who are going through the same or a very similar experience now provide peer-to-peer mentorship support and guidance to help people be happier, healthier, and more productive in both their work life and home life and where those come together. Richie Kendall, welcome to Rebels of the Heart. It's awesome to have you on. Appreciate you sharing your time and your expertise and your heart with our audience. And uh, just welcome to Rebels. So glad to be here with you, Derek. It's so good to have you. So before we jump in on my first question, I'd love to hear a little bit about your story about how do you think what do you, how do you define Rebels with a Heart? What does that mean to you? And how does it align with your life, your business, your work to date? Yeah, I love that question because in, in many ways, it's almost like a movement towards a more humane way of being is a resistance at this point. It's, it's going against the grain. Uh, I, I, see, I see the context of that question as a culture that is becoming increasingly captured by machine motivations and profit and sort of a manic drive to achieve and grow. And, and, and what that does is it creates conflict with, uh, with some of the better angels of our nature in many ways. And so it's, it's about a return to that. And that's, that's what, that's what comes to mind when, when I hear rebels with a heart. Love that. Thank you. And how does that just kind of translate into the work that you're doing with Good World? And I know you've had quite a journey to that, to this process. And you tell us a bit about Good World, but tell us a bit how that applies to your business and what you're doing day to day. Definitely. I would consider everyone on the team here at Good World a rebel with a heart and would definitely rope in, you know, many of our partners, uh, customers uh, into that as well. We, we very much are trying to bring more human t- technology into the infrastructure. And so we're, we're out there trying to help companies understand that leading with tools like social impact, leading with purpose, uh, in, engaging their employees and customers in a pro-social, pro-human um, program is is actually good for their company long term, and will build a more enduring brand uh, and place in the market. Love that. So something you said, you know, before about you know focus on profits, focus on machine driven type of outcomes. I think when I think of the heartbeat, I think of the consistent. I think of the long term. I think of the the steadiness of that. And I think in some ways, to your point, that runs counter to instant gratification, machine learning algorithms, right? So how is that kind of, when you think about that perspective and what you're doing with social impact businesses and specifically with what you're doing with, with the partner network with Goodworld, how does that, how does that kind of align with that long-term consistent, stable human centered approach? Yeah. I love the framing of that question because it puts into light the tension between this drive for quarterly earnings, uh, sort of always upping, upping the ante. And what that can do is it can create a sense of myopia, right? A short-sightedness, uh, a losing track of 
of a longer term strategy. And in many ways, the tension we see in our space, which I would describe as corporate social responsibility meets next generation impact, uh, is that often companies will think about charitable giving or think about giving away time and resources as something that takes away from their main goals, right? And it's actually the contrary. Uh, The more you invest in increasing the morale of your of your employees, the more you invest in give a give first approach with yeah. your customers, uh, the, the more likely those employees and customers are to remain loyal to your business, build a deeper relationship with the business, and also help give that feedback loop that you need to create new markets long-term. There's a lot that I want to explore in that answer, but before we do, how did you start on this path? What was the what was the inspiration? What's your why for what for what you're doing now? Yeah. Thanks for that question. Um, it actually it all starts with you know I was a creative person growing up. Um, I was a studio artist. Got into digital quite early. Where'd was, you grow up? Where'd you grow? Yeah, up? I grew up in in Colorado, in just outside Boulder, mm-hmm. and I I had a event in my life that I think put me on a little bit of a different path. My, my father passed away when I was five years old to, to colon cancer. Mm. And I think what that event did while normally might be experienced as a major loss and perhaps create some kind of traumatic event, it it actually put me on a path of a purpose-driven life. I was asking existential questions quite early. I was, I was, fascinated by more metaphysical philosophy. Why are we here? If we all, are we all going to die? What happens next? And so I just, I just launched into my passions and that was storytelling, electronic media, arts and design, um, had, was picking up clients very early doing things like websites and graphic identity and, and then picked up a video camera by, by college and had a, an eight-year film career, writing, directing, editing, and producing film. And that, that's ultimately how I ended up landing in, in tech and building, building business and building a product. So we can get into that part of the story here if you'd like. Yeah, please. Please keep it going. This is really powerful stuff. Thank you sure. for being open. Yeah. So I was always moonlighting my own clients during my film production days because I felt that building websites for nonprofits, helping them communicate their missions and their stories was so fulfilling yeah. uh, to be able to add the value of all the skills I was creating in the, in the commercial environment, working on feature length documentaries. I, I could tell the stories in a very powerful way with smaller clients, smaller budgets. Uh, but I was just so fulfilled that I ended up taking on a lot of clients uh, mm-hmm. as a little sort of one, two man agency. And it was through that work that I got tapped to help build a next generation philanthropy concept. So it started as an app during the early days of some of the peer to peer payments trends. You might, you might be familiar with Zelle and Venmo. Now there's cash app, all of the investing and trading platforms that all, that all started in an ACH trend which yeah. moves money direct 
from bank to bank rather than on credit card networks. And an early investor in, in the project I was working on saw that trend taking place and thought that philanthropy is a really good industry for that, that market because it doesn't require same-day settlement. So moving money cost-effectively would be very powerful. And I learned so much building out that, that philanthropy product that I ended up kind of discovering a new business partner. Uh, and we built out the first product that allowed individuals to round up their everyday purchases for causes. Mm-hmm. We white labeled that technology and found our business model. Two years later, we're acquired by the company that I now uh, am a founder of called Good World, where we, where we power the social impact initiatives of everyone from MasterCard's global donations platform to thousands of nonprofits all around the country and around the world. It's a beautiful story, man. It's just, it's, it's reminding me of just the importance of following one's purpose, right? To your point, you just were inspired by these purposeful missions of these partners that you're working with. And in time, your own purpose kind of revealed itself and you created something that was the, the, the combination of your skills, your talents, your, your experiences, and what was needed and what was being kind of asked for, so to speak, by our, our evolving consciousness, right? I mean, I think that's pretty exciting. And now here you are several years later seeing, seeing the fruits of that kind of becoming a much bigger, a bigger concept and, and really you know, taking another level. So tell us about how that's continuing to evolve now a couple of years following that transaction and you know, where you're going with it. Absolutely. And I think it's worth pointing out that while I, I was able to give quite a coherent story of evolution, yeah. taking one thing to, to the next, hard work is hard. Mm. And there were some very difficult times. I'm sure you may yes. remember, and as an entrepreneur yourself, yes. it is a, it's a roller coaster. Um, and and it, it requires a certain amount of conviction mm-hmm. in what you're doing. Uh, not not necessarily uh, naivete uh, in terms of not not knowing or pushing through something that you don't understand, but but a real a real sense of purpose. Like you are doing this for a reason. It's why you're getting up in the morning and and going through these pushing through these challenges. Um, at end of the day, uh, once once we were able to make a couple of core discoveries. And continue to understand the space in which we were operating from how the whole nonprofit industry works, how they fundraise, what what they're looking for in terms of innovation and technology, how their donors move, what the next generation wants. When you start to understand that water that you're swimming in, you can make you can use your creativity. And you can find other people that are aligned with your mission. So I guess the other real lesson here, other than it's not an easy road to be an entrepreneur, yeah. is, is that finding the people that complement your skills, that have the same drive and passion that you do, where you can more or less divide and, and conquer in a domain yeah. uh, is, is incredibly important. It, it often gives you the fuel you need to keep, to keep going and building. Yeah. And how are you doing that now? How are you finding your tribe of collaborators, those purposeful people, um, especially in the context of this new digital remote first world that we're living and working in? I happen to think that the, the space we're in, which 
you could categorize as an emergent space, which is social impact meets meets brand building, is one of the most exciting, unexplored spaces out there. Uh, we're actually seeing social impact driving growth strategy, not, yeah. not the other way around. And so we meet, we meet new people every day that are on that path, uh, whether it's companies that we once saw as competitors, now as quite friendly, uh, to, to emergent brands and influencers that want to do something different and realize the appetite for innovation in, in the space and just brainstorming, coming up with fun ideas and learnings based on the data that we're seeing. I'm really interested in what's, what's shifting those competitors into collaborators from your perspective. Yeah, I think there is an overwhelming sentiment coming into the world today that we can't continue to see everyone around us as, as hostile, that often interoperability between platforms and companies, that collaborating actually is a superpower that there are, there's a big ocean of opportunity out there. And the more you're able to synergize with other platforms, other communities, find, find likeness and discover value uh, is, is a more powerful way to think about scale than, than destroying competitors and kind of trying to overwhelm a space. Yeah, I think it's a really fascinating, I mean, especially literally today that we're having this conversation, we're seeing massive geopolitical you know, uncertainty, for lack of a better term. And as a result of that, I think we're also seeing, we will see a massive opportunity for new collaborations and new possibilities to emerge, right? And that's, that's the idea that through through chaos or perceived chaos is where new ideas, new concepts and, and new possibilities emerge, right? So um, I think you're exactly right. And I think business, and we, you and I have talked about this before, and we we're in a similar place. Business has a massive opportunity to reestablish trust with people, with institutions, with you know entities. And I think that we're at the beginning of a, what of that kind of renaissance, right? Of what that looks like in this new technologically enabled world that that you're kind of articulating, sharing about that you're working in too. So I couldn't agree more. And and it's. It's as much about restoring an ethic that we all know is inside us, which yeah. is that, that desire to, to belong, that desire to, be, to contribute to something that is greater than ourselves, to be a part of a, a bigger story. And in the same way that an individual can be a part of a neighborhood uh, that, that has goals and that is cohesive businesses should be operating that way as well. We're all part of the same planet and we need to behave as such. Yeah. So when you, when you're meeting with some of these brands right now that are, and you're, cause you're right in the middle of kind of ESG, CSR type of initiatives, you know, and you can define that for our audience as well. I mean, most people I think know, but feel free to define it. How are you seeing the questions or the asks differing now than even three years ago when you were kind of early in this process? Yeah. I think corporate philanthropy is a thing in and of itself. It has its own roots and history from going all the way back to the Rockefeller days. Yeah. Uh, and, and the way it's moved, it, it's learned a lot from 
direct to consumer or direct to donor philanthropy. I'll just give you some some examples and and ways in which companies engage in CSR these days. So typically, or I guess the old model would be that a company has a certain charitable budget that they put together to give back to their communities as a good faith effort. And that money would typically be cut in the form of a few checks to a couple selected nonprofits. Maybe those nonprofits have a resonant mission and that there is some value to those partnerships. You know, they're sort of creating halo effect on one another. And, and that's like a pretty latent, Mm-hmm. A pretty s- sort of slow and and non-scalable way of creating philanthropic impact because it just moves money from one bank account to another. Mm-hmm. So a way that that conversation is changing, especially as we move more and more into a sort of decentralized, large reach, yeah. lower trust in institutions environment, is we're trying to lead a conversation that isn't about you should just give a certain amount of money to charity every year. Mm-hmm. You should actually give money to your stakeholders, mm-hmm. your employees, your customers, your vendors, your, your strategic partners. Put, put money in their hands that can be redeemed, that yeah. can be given to causes. Mm-hmm. What this does is it not only does it build a purpose-driven relationship, Yeah it helps the company understand the values of their stakeholders, but it also creates a multiplication effect because now if you're taking, let's say a hundred thousand dollars and you're cutting it into tiny increments Mm -hmm. and then you're spreading it across a community, you are essentially bringing that community into a store or an experience where now they have the ability to chip in, to get their donations matched to engage with your brand under this new envelope. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's. I think we're at the very beginning of a completely iterative um, process between capitalism and philanthropy in the broad sense. Because they, they, the, the whole idea behind philanthropy and nonprofits was was to have a noble cause. What we're finding now is that you can have a cause and a purpose in the context of of a monetization model, a for profit model that still creates, to your point, share, stakeholder value and can, can be optimized more effectively ultimately. Because one of the one of the biggest challenges, and you probably see this especially with nonprofits, is there's and there's become there's there's an explosion of nonprofits now compared to 20 years ago. There's so many. And so that's distilling or or in some ways diluting the possibilities of what's happening there. And then you, we know about the administrative burdens of all that, what that looks like. And so the ability to give directly and to and to build that kind of giving philosophy into the bylaws or into the core DNA of a company where they're doing for profit and then allocating percentages of that into community support immediately at the, at the front end. I think there's something really exciting about that. And I think that that's really where we're going. Cause I think if you look at nonprofits, not, cause I've been on a few nonprofit boards and one of the challenges with nonprofits is that they're always in fundraising mode, right? And, and so much of the time and energy just goes into survival of an entity that has a noble purpose, 
but they're not actually making the impact because they're stunted and actually driving their time resources and productive resources to the cause because so much time is going into getting capital. So if we can solve for that, which is what I think here you're saying that you're, you're doing right now, at least on some level, that's going to open up a huge new possibility for how we, how companies, how organizations, how institutions can support purposeful causes as part of their business. Right. So that was so well articulated. And the only thing I might add is just to put it into a little bit of perspective, the difference between a for-profit entity and a non-profit entity is, is pretty simple. One exists to effectively maximize the return for shareholders. Yep. So it has to be focused on generating as much profit as possible. A nonprofit is focused on generating impact and is not owned by anybody. Mm -hmm. Bringing those two models together is the best situation you can, you can think yeah. of uh, because you need the motivation and sort of the lean operating principles of the for-profit sector to, to, to innovate, to figure out new ways of doing things. Uh, but then if, if we do that at the, at the detriment of our fellow human beings, Correct. then we, then we just hurdle off the cliff. So we got to synergize those two motivations uh, to create that world that I think we're all, we're all looking for. Completely agree. So as you think about the next iteration of, of Good World, how do you see that kind of playing out? I mean, you started in the, in, how is this kind of coming into into reality right now. From your yeah. 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 So if I were to paint the story, we went from an innovation in the nonprofit sector, uh, allowing individuals to round up their purchases on, on four causes and type hashtag donate into a comment field on Facebook to an all-in-one operating system for nonprofits. So they, they can do all of their fundraising in one place in the same way that an e-commerce business might do their, their revenue operations to offering that stack to businesses mm -hmm. so that businesses can now engage their employees and customers in all kinds of dynamic activity that generate impact to where I think this is all heading is a sort of cause marketing and impact investing model that yeah. looks that looks a lot more like the web three that everybody is talking about yeah. than it does the traditional for-profit nonprofit dichotomy. And what I mean by that is imagine a future where an individual who has capital can invest that money in a dividend producing a fund mm -hmm. that is producing goods and services, but is also solving challenges. But instead of just making money for themselves, they can actually collateralize that capital and give everybody a piece of it that wants a piece of it that can grow so that we're all kind of contributing to the same pies based on our interests and passion areas. And the more we engage, the more impact we do together. I love it. Richie, how can our listeners, our audience learn more about you, your work? Where can they find out about the mission and how can they get involved? 
Goodworldnow.com is a great place to start. If anyone is interested in entering the social impact space, doing nonprofit work, you can reach me anytime through my LinkedIn profile. If you come in earnestly with, with questions or a part of your story, uh, I you know there's no question too small. I, I love helping people that are just on the start of the journey or are looking to make big waves, uh, you know, for the benefit of of our our fellow humans. So you can reach me through my LinkedIn, and our website's a good place to get all the info. Amazing. Well, I really admire the work that you're doing. I think this is really ground groundbreaking stuff, as you know. And I think we're just in the early stages of of what's going to happen regarding impact and capital and, you know, new stewardship models. So thanks for, for being out there and setting the example, Richie. High praise right back your way, Derek. Have always been an admirer since we met about the work you're doing as well. So looking forward to bringing that full circle. Amazing. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Derek.